One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Welcome to a Buffalo Victory Monday. Mmm, it tastes good. Give me some more of that. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. On the heels of a resounding 38-10 victory by the Bills over the Las Vegas Raiders, I was just happy I got through the whole weekend without once saying Oakland. Mm, that was yeah. good. I was I was pretty happy about that. Do you think the younger generation actually even? Oh, they think we're thing. all weird. Yeah, they're like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, it's like me telling young kids I got drafted by the Houston Oilers in the NFL. Come again? They're like, "What is that? There's, an there's, AFL Houston, team? Houston Texans? What are you?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the way it is. You 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 show your age sometimes. That's right, but it was uh, a, a convincing win, a great bounce back win, complimentary football to the hilt, high degree of efficiency on the offensive side of the ball and on defense for that matter you know everybody's talking about how the offense bounced back and the game that Josh had and we'll talk about all of that that's great you know it was fantastic I thought the offensive line had a great day all the way across the front uh, short yardage pass protection firing off the ball resetting the line of scrimmage all of that opening holes in the run game they did a great job too but the defense in addition to the three takeaways, which is the obvious headliner, Steve, the Raiders had one possession of their nine that lasted more than five plays. One. Yeah. One possession. I think it was a <clears throat> ten-play drive. Uh, I think it was the field goal drive. Other than that, they had no possession that lasted more than five plays. Yeah, it was interesting, too, because the, the Raiders came out, and we all saw it. It was, it was like, uh-oh, kind of thing. They came out on that oh, opening, the opening drive. drive yeah. They came out and smoked it. I mean, that was a five-play, 75-yard drive for a touchdown. And, and it was. It was 15 plays a, a play, 15 yards per play. Um, and it looked it. And it, was, it looked like, wow, this is going to be a long afternoon. But then after that first drive, adjustments were, ma adjustments were made, perhaps the the preparation of the Raiders only went five or ten plays deep into their script, and that's all they had scripted out, and everything else was going to be freewheeling, kind of see how the game progressed, and it did not progress well from that point. Um, the Bills stuffed them pretty good. Josh Jacobs, as, as you probably heard, Josh Jacobs, the reigning NFL rushing champ, minus two yards on the day. I mean, what a day he had. I mean, oh, my goodness. The He's Elias Sports sick. Bureau said he is the first defending rushing champion to come out of a game the following season with negative rushing yardage at the end of the game since the 1970 merger. Yeah. That's how rare yesterday was from yeah. a run defense. Bills had a lot of tackles for loss. Um, their defense played extremely well. What are And I guess after two weeks, you can kind of ask the question, what are we starting to notice about the defense under Sean McDermott that wasn't present in years past? Um, There's a little bit of exotic – play calls mixed in there not to not overwhelmingly so but I think there were a couple of times where you saw either a blocking assignment missed on a blitz or Garoppolo crossed up by the coverage on the back end where he was kind of getting the happy feet and he was darting around like this and I think that's what McDermott's scheming brings to the table even though the majority of the time you know the Bills are lining up in nickel which they got back to more. There was less big nickel yesterday than there was last week. And there was even, they did mix in a little three-linebacker base here and there. Yep. But when 
they were in their nickel as they have been for the better part of the last two or three years. It wasn't the same look all the time. People were coming from different places, zone blitzes, people were dropping out. And I think they're harder to game plan for now, this Bills defense, than maybe in years past. Yeah, and and you say, well, that's a, why didn't they do that before? There's two sides to every coin. And before, while they might have been easy to prepare for, um, the guys who've played in the back end of that defense and the front too have seen so much out of the exact same look. They know where an offense tries to attack them. They're aware of their vulnerabilities. They know what other teams see when they play that same kind of look all the time. And so you get very, you get better and better at anticipating what they're going to do. Uh, when you get a little more exotic, then it becomes a little bit more of a dice roll. Right. There, there's once in a while where either side, either the defense because of its call or the offense because of its call, can get you. Right, and I think we also have to remember, too, that with Buffalo so successful in neutralizing the Raiders' run game, they set themselves up to get exotic calls from their defensive coordinator, Sean McDermott, because they were in third and nine, third and 11, third and seven. All of those situations kept cropping up for the Raiders because the Bills were so good in the run front on first and second down. And here was the other thing that I liked, Steve. First drive of the game for the Raiders, first down, Ed Oliver blows it up, destroys Greg Van Roten, runs him into the running back. Jacobs is dropped for a loss. Right out of the gate. It's second and 12, and the Bills are, like, loaded for bear. They come screaming up the field and get nailed on a screen for a first down. And I was like, okay. They tested you to see if you fixed this from last week, and you didn't. That's right. You better fix it fast. And the Bills did. They did give up a receiver screen on that same drive to Devontae Adams. But after that, they kind of covered up the screen game a whole lot better, and they didn't fall for, hey, look, here's Garoppolo on a silver platter. The alarm bells went off, and they're like, oh, there's another screen coming somewhere. And they kind of neutralized that the rest of the way. I told You saw what I told you about the first touchdown for the Raiders, right? It was an illegal play. Yes. It was an illegal play. Devontae Adams caught the ball a yard down the field, and he had two offensive linemen that were three yards down the field. They were down the field uh, illegally on that play. It was a screen pass, and the, the lineman released, and he caught the ball past the line of scrimmage. It was, should have been a penalty. Um, no call, turned into a touchdown, and away we went, and the game turned out like what it was. But nevertheless, I, 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 saw, it on the, I saw it on the broadcast, and I was surprised nobody brought it up. And maybe it's me. Maybe it isn't a, a, an illegal play. Well, you have two ineligible linemen downfield yeah. when, the, when the play is executed. I mean, one guy's four yards down the field. The other guy's three yards down the field. You showed it to me on the yeah. replay of the broadcast copy Seems on like NFL+. Plus. But anyway, uh, they still uh, – the drive was impressive, and they finished it off with that screen pass to Devontae Adams. A um, little bit of that going around the NFL um, officiating – controversies I suppose you could say uh, there was a one in the Monday night game last night or Sunday night game last night the Patriots at the end of the game less than a minute to go Gesicki laterals it to Cole Strange who looks like he goes ahead and gets the first down on a fourth down conversion yeah they replay it call him short it seemed to me he was short 
I don't, you know, we don't have any skin in that game. Patriots, Dolphins, who cares who wins? We got to play both of them anyway and take care of business ourselves. So it really doesn't matter in the big scheme of things. Uh, You can say what you want about the Dolphins going 2 0 and all, who cares? So I really don't have any, and it looked like he was short to me, but there was a lot of, a lot of blowback on social media about how, you know, and everybody, I don't buy the rationale that, hey, you know, that's, that's crazy to make that call right there. You should let him play, let the game. No. <laughs> if the guy's down, he's down. Right. You don't get it like, ah, no, let's see how this plays. No. I, you've, been on, we, you've been on the wrong side of that both ways. Yeah. You, you don't do – no, if the rule is the rule, the guy was down, he was down short, then he's down. Um, now, there are other things going on, too, where uh, even in the game yesterday, the first – Bill's touchdown got set up by a pass interference call in the left corner of the end zone as the offense looks at it. And I thought it was a coin flip. The Bill's got the benefit of that. Steph Diggs getting guarded by, uh, I can't Marcus remember. Peters? Marcus Peters. And it was, he, and it was, a, I thought it was a coin flip call. Bill's get it, first and goal on the one, touchdown. You know, next series, right after that, Benford is guarding Devontae Adams. They get tangled up. He goes up, catches it. Benford takes him out of bounds. No, They call it a reception. It was not a reception. You could tell right away. They radioed down to the ref. And they threw a flag for pass interference. Right. They picked that flag up. And it was an incompletion. It could not have gone better for Buffalo. Yeah. So, yeah, the, there, there have been some – there was some controversy – all around the national foot. And there were other instances, too, in the afternoon games and the 4 o'clock games as well, where it's like, oof, the Washington and Arizona, or the Washington and uh, Denver. Denver game. It, yeah, there's some crazy stuff going on. But, you know, I, for, the, for the most part, I thought it was a really fun weekend of football all the way around. Of course, you know, being here in Buffalo was, was a blast. Yeah. You mentioned Washington. Buffalo's next opponent, the Commanders, who the Bills will face on the road in Week 3. They are very quietly 2-0 and <clears throat> as they held on for victory by the skin of their teeth because the Broncos were threatening to tie the game at the very end. No time on the clock. 50-yard touchdown pass um, hail from Mary. Russell Wilson. And it goes in the end zone. They go for the two-point conversion to tie the game, and it fails. And so Washington was, escapes. That should have been a penalty on the two-point <clears throat> conversion. Yeah. That should have been a penalty. That's a classic ref swallow the whistle moment yeah. if ever there was one. And I'll tell you what, you, that's, to me, that should be an absolute coaching thing. And a fourth down play, game on the line and stuff, they're not going to tell your defense. Whoever on defense I think has the advantage because yeah. they, will, they are really reticent to call any penalties in that situation. It'd be a little bit more aggressive. The Baltimore Ravens have always been good at that. When, when they had Ray Lewis all through the – the yeah. late 90s and all through the 2000s. Yeah. First and goal at the one. First and goal at the one. Be aggressive. You be absolutely. Dare ult- them to throw the ultra flag. Ultra aggressive. Ultra aggressive. Because the worst thing they do is give them the penalty. It's a half yard. And, yeah, it's first down again. But they didn't score. Well, let's go. Yeah. yeah, I'll take my chances. And that's. Uh, and that's only if they call a penalty. I'm telling you, it's, an absolutely, it's absolutely a strategy. And Washington used it to their advantage yesterday, being ultra-aggressive in the end zone on a two-point conversion to tie the game. They did give up some big plays. That Hail Mary for a 50-yard touchdown right at the end of the game. They also gave up a 60-yard touchdown pass to Marvin Mims early in that game. So you wonder if there are big play opportunities for the Bills this well, week. We'll see. 
the the uh, Denver Broncos jumped out to a a big lead in that game. It was twenty one to three, and Washington walked them down and reeled them in and got got the lead. So uh, something changed there in that game. Uh, Sean Payton still trying to get his get a win. Well, yeah, trying to get a win as his first year in Denver, but. They do look better than they did a year ago. I will say that. Yeah. I mean, if they were down 21-3 to last year, chalk it up as an L. Well, Denver wasn't down 21-3. to Didn't they have – Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, they had Washington. They they came out like a house on fire. Yeah. And then they had to climb back into it at the very end and did. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Russell Wilson is looking more like old Russell Wilson. He was really conservative in week one but opened it up considerably more in week two. And, you know, you put 33 on the board, that should be enough for you, but it wasn't uh, to win that football game oh, yeah. against Washington. So it's the 2-0 and Commanders against the 1-1 Bills this coming Sunday down in the nation's capital. But we want your thoughts and takeaways from the Bills' convincing 38-10 victory over the Raiders yesterday. What did you like most? What was most encouraging about the team going forward? Maybe one of the newest players on the roster did something that has you excited going forward. I think it's safe to say that Dalton Kincaid is going to be a part of the game plan every single week. I realize we're only two games in, Steve, but it's clear to me the guy is going to be on the field a lot, and he is going to be targeted a lot as well through the course of this season, at least a half a dozen times a game. I mean, that's kind of how it's averaging out right now. He's, and he's got a high-efficiency catch rate. Uh, he's got, what, 10 catches on the year, right? Yeah, and I think he's got 11 targets. Yeah. I mean, the guy doesn't miss too much. Yeah. Um, I'm Lowered his uh, shoulder on one catch along yeah, the Raiders' sideline there early in the game. He finished a run really nicely. And I, I keep saying that he's on pace to shatter the rookie receiving record for tight ends in yeah. NFL history. After two games, I mean, let's, yeah. let's pump the brakes a little bit. But It's very interesting, though, that through two weeks, 12 personnel has catered to more opportunities for Kincaid and, to, to a certain extent, Knox as well, and less so for guys like Sherfield and Hardy, who haven't been featured nearly as much. Now, there was, or there at least seemed to be, and I'll check the numbers once they're out, as to the balance, because it seemed a little more balanced between the 11 and 12 personnel groupings, three wide versus two tight ends. It seemed a little more balanced this week, whereas last week it was 63 and 25 and then 2% other stuff. This week it seemed a little more balanced. I'll look up the numbers and see if that is accurate. It just felt that way watching them send personnel onto the field through the course of the game. Five for seven in the red zone, Steve. That works for me. Yeah. Four of five in goal-to-go situations. The only time they didn't get in was on the fourth and goal from the one. Seven trips to the red zone's big. Very, that's a big day. Um, the, and that speaks to the efficiency. But they were, they were just hard to get off the field. Well, and I think the reason why they were so efficient was because they ran it so well in the red zone. With, with Harris yeah. and Murray yes. getting that's the tough key. yards. That's absolutely the key. I mean, it really puts a defense on their heels because – they're not just thinking we got to be mindful of Josh here. They're like, oh, we could have a downhill run game coming at us. Right. And that's where the under center stuff, yeah, which we were... was far more numerous in terms of number of snaps this week than last week, when he's under center and that running game is coming at you downhill, 
that is a whole extra thing that these defenses have to worry about now that they didn't have to the last two years. Right. And I think one of the things, too, Josh is – I mean, Josh is a known commodity now. He's a playmaking quarterback with a big arm who can, who can pick apart a defense. Now, defenses know that, so they come in thinking, okay, we've got to stop Josh Allen. Now he's lining up under center with Latavius Murray and Damian Harris, Damian Harris and James Cook. That's, that's, a little bit on, that's a lot on plate. That's a lot on the defense's plate that they've got to think about. And I'll tell you this, you get used to – a hammer in Murray or Harris, you know, in their speed through a hole, yeah. and then Cook comes on the field, and it's like you just hit the fast-forward button. Right. It's such an – I mean, you talk about change of pace. That's hard for a defense to adjust to, too. I said it on the broadcast yesterday. I just felt like the Raiders completely underestimated the speed that James Cook has on the field. And granted, he's only a second-year player, not much of the league has seen him in person on a field, and you've said this before, and I kind of remembered it as I'm saying this. You can watch a guy on film and say, okay, that guy's fast. we got to prepare for him and take certain angles to the football when he's carrying right. it. Then you get on the field and you're like, whoa, that, that yeah. all of that did not show up on film. we got to readjust right. here because what we plan for yeah. is not going to be good enough well, against that guy. What happens is you get in there and you think, well, those guys just aren't – you know, they're just not ready for it. When you forget, those guys have been watching the same film you have, and they, they see the guy. Um, yeah, it's an issue. You got you, They'll be ready, and but James Cook is does – it was obvious he caught the Raiders off guard with his athleticism and his speed and his ability to get to the corner and give a guy a, a little bit of a – stab and cut to the outside and he bounced he bounced it outside some guys and they they just couldn't they weren't ready for it even get a hand on they were not ready for it and it was it was impressive um he's turning the corner on cornerbacks that's right i mean jacorian bennett the rookie corner from maryland starts at right corner for them he comes out to his side and maybe bennett did take a poor angle of entry to make the tackle um so that might be part of it but man like cook sees him take his, try to take his inside shoulder, and he's like, all right, I'm just going to take it outside. And he blew his doors off. Yeah. I mean, he's turning and running. He can't even get a hand on him. So, and oh, by the way, Steve, after two weeks in the NFL, your leading rusher in the AFC is James Cook. How about that? Leading rusher in the AFC. I think he's fourth in the league right now. Yeah, I and I think it's going to get better. I, um, Ken Dorsey did some things differently yesterday than we'd seen in week one, for sure. Uh, one of the strategies was sending somebody, they chipped on Crosby all day, the great defensive end of the, of the Raiders, and just made sure he wasn't going to wreck the game. Yeah. And that was a scheme that worked. And then the options that were still available, even when you, you get one of the weapons to chip on a defensive end, it kind of takes them out of the route for a half second, which is a long time. Yeah, uh, The rest of the weapons were available for Josh. And I noticed this, too. Josh didn't throw the football down the field. It didn't seem like at all. The only time he did, he went over the top to Gabe one time on the scramble. Um, and he had a couple of real darts down the field. Where well, he had to the Gabe free Davis, play on the offsides. That's right. Plays like that. Um, it, was, it was one of those games where Josh just took a deep breath and said, okay, I'm just going to take this. And it, you know, it, it lacked all the big plays that you kind of associate with Josh. Yeah. 
But man, oh man, they, 38 points later, who's complaining? Well, and you got to tip your hat to the coordinator because Dorsey not only provided help for a guy like Spencer Brown in the terms of in terms of chipping with a back or a tight end, even when it was a one-on-one situation for Brown on the edge there, he was calling plays that were getting the ball out because there were a couple of times where Crosby won the one-on-one battle, but he couldn't get to Josh because the ball was already out, and that. That's where you tip your hat to Dorsey as well because he had a, a play design to get the ball out of Josh's hand fast. So in the event that your production doesn't hold up, it doesn't hold up, it doesn't matter. The ball's right. away. Right. And that happened like two or three times in the game too. So, you know, as much as much criticism as Dorsey gets, <laughs> you should be turning around and patting him on the back today for the game plan he crafted yesterday. It was a it was a marvelous job. Yeah. I mean, and when you have execution to match, you look all that much better. Right. But yeah, I mean that's kind of what you're that's what you're looking at. Let's go to the phones at 803-0550-1888-550-2550, the number to get on board. We lead off today with Kevin in Hamburg. What do you got for us, Kevin? Hey guys, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I love, well, I my biggest takeaway is is what Steve said, and you've said it in the past. Whenever he doesn't try to play hero ball and just takes what the defense gives him, things go good. And I mean, you guys have even said it. I know it's not sexy, it's not gorgeous, it's not hot looking, but if it works, who cares about gorgeous? Who cares about you know, hotness if it don't lead to leading thrown to the other team all the time or thrown like he did to the Jets or like he had troubles with last year? You know, just take what they give you. That's what all the best ones will tell you. Montana took what he gave them. He, you know, sometimes you don't always have to be Superman as long as you're a good Clark Kent. Or not Batman, but a good Bruce Wayne, it'll work. You know, to use a super to use a superhero analogy. Yeah. And whenever he does that, things go better than trying to be Rambo. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Oh yeah, yeah I got, you, got Kevin. it, Kevin. Yeah, good boring, yeah, today. I guess what it is is yeah, boring is beautiful when it comes out like it did yesterday. And I and I I get it. Um, they overcame some things yesterday, no question. But they also executed at such a high level. And Josh distributed the ball so well. Um, I think at, at halftime he was like 20, 18 of 21, and he had like two throwaways or a throwaway or something in there as well. It was, it was amazing. He started out with 12 straight completions. The 13th was – what was the one? The 13th one I might have been a throwaway. Was that the fourth and goal? That was the fourth and goal. That's it. The first, the first incompletion was the high shot to uh, Dawson, Dawson Knox. Knox. So, yeah, it's – it's hard to uh, to beat a team when they're playing as efficiently as the Bills did. Now, certainly, sometimes you you step, and the thing about it is too, you step out, throw a quick screen to the wide receiver, they get stacked. It's a two yard gain, and it's pretty frustrating to think, gosh, you know, you do something, you know, different than that. But it all plays into the same goal, and and uh, it worked to perfection yesterday. Speaking of efficiency, we had a soothsayer on the set here last Friday. Uh, a certain Steve Tasker turned into the amazing Kreskin when he spoke to how he saw Sunday's game playing out for Josh Allen. Let's go back to last Friday and listen in. I think Josh will probably have 30 completions in this game, no matter how many times they, how many times they throw it. Um, I think he, they're going to attack these guys through the air, and I think if they don't turn it over, obviously, they. Yeah. You, I don't think they lose. 
Over 30 completions. What 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 was Josh's final stat line again? 31 Steve? to 37. Yeah. No matter how many times, 30 completions, and if they don't turn it over, they, you can't beat them. Not only do they not beat them, when Josh plays like he did, they beat him runaway. by 28. Way to check the box there, fortune teller. Thank you. You got a uh, – have you, have you formulated one for this week? We may have to hit you up for that. Not yet. We, we have to add that to excuse me, Mr. Tasker, on Friday. <laughs> excuse me, Mr. Tasker, do you have a prediction for week three, Bill's commanders? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, you know. Josh made you look good, so thank you for that. Checks in the mail, Josh. Yeah, he made a lot of guys look good this last week, and uh, good for him. Yeah, and you know we heard Sean McDermott after the Jets game. You know he's asked, he's being asked like fifteen different questions about Josh's performance, and I was I, I took a note of this when he said it. Coach said Josh has to put his trust in the teammates around him to make plays for him. When he tries to put it all on himself, that seems to be when mistakes happen. And I thought the best thing to come out of yesterday's game was he did act like a facilitator more than an individual playmaker and trusted the guys around him. And the fact that all of them came through in a giant way, like yeah. Shakir made one play, but it was a big play on a throw that probably did not have a high degree of success attached to it. You know, he's sitting down in a chair, leaning back, throwing it around a defensive tackle to a receiver coming across the field, and Shakir hustles to get to that spot to make that play. Gabe Davis boxes out a defender in the end zone on fourth and goal from the two and says, get off me, this is my football. Right. Those are the kinds of things that will reinforce to Josh hey, you know what? I do have guys that can come through for me when I need them on a money down or a gotta-have-it play. So you hope that reinforces to Josh that, you know what? You can trust the guys around you. They can make plays. It doesn't all have to be on you. Right. And sometimes it's hard to, it's hard to know that, and particularly in an opening game of the season, but certainly this is a team. And, I, and I'll say this, too. I I'm okay. You know, who, who doesn't love a game like they saw yesterday from your team? You know, the Bills go out there and just efficiently just sweep the floor with, mm -hmm. with the Raiders. And just it's one thing after another going well. Milano doing his – that Milano interception was absolutely a work of art. And you, you, you love that. But you got to know, too, this is, a, this is a season like the ones we have here in Buffalo nowadays where you want to you crescendo through the season. You want to develop and get things going through the season. I don't, and we have not seen all of that yet. I think this is a team that's going to have to be playing better and better and better as the weeks go on. And we'll get Vaughn back. That'll help. That'll change things a little bit. you get James Cook even more involved. Kincaid will get more involved. Knox will be more involved. But I think that the thought process is they, they got to keep getting better because it's a long season. Mm-hmm. And nothing is going to work for an entire season all year. You gotta, you're going to have to evolve. So as good as they played yesterday, you kind of hope there's more in the tank because they're going to need it going forward. Let's get back to the phones at 803-0550, Got some open lines for you there. And we go to Gary in Rochester next. What do you got for us, Gary? Hey, yeah, I just want to comment on how the offense – Played very, very well, dinking and donking down the field, and they probably had their most run after catch 
yards in a long, long time. And uh, also, too, I think our offensive line all goes with Reuben Brown, or Brown, that uh, he should, when he plays well, that whole offensive line plays well. And I think that's basically where we are right now. Short passes and a lot of yards afterwards. Thanks, and I'll hang up and listen to your call. All right, Gary, thanks very much. Uh, Appreciate the phone call. Yeah, I mean, efficiency was the order of the day, and Josh decided to stay patient and simply take what was in front of him. And basically the Raiders were playing a top-down defense. You're not going to beat us over the top. All right, let you know the Raiders challenged the Bills to be efficient enough to – move the ball down the field in small increments, and they did that. They had two 11-play drives for scores and a 15-play drive for scores over the course of the afternoon. So they proved they can be that efficient. Um, There was a big pass interference penalty that helped them out on one drive. So, But all in all, the execution was there. That led to a high rate of efficiency. Josh's completion percentage is a reflection of that. James Cook's yards per carry average is a reflection of that, 7.2. I mean, even before the long carry at the end of the game, he was still averaging 5.8 a rush. I mean, that efficiency alone speaks to the control at the line of scrimmage that the Buffalo offensive line had, the decision-making that, excuse me, Josh had to get the ball out of his hand quick, and the play calling of Ken Dorsey that allowed all of that to manifest itself on the field. So, yeah, I mean, all around, lights out. Yeah. um, It all works together, and some of it has to do with the way the Raiders play their football team, you know, the way they deploy their team and how they call plays, and some of this works out that way in week-to-week basis. Some teams don't let you run it after the catch. We saw that last week with the Jets. We talked about it all week about how yeah. when the Jet you play the Jets, first guy to the ball always makes the tackle. That's a sign of an elite defense. They just don't get any extra yards. Not so with the Raiders. We just talked. They came up and were trying to tackle James Cook, and they just they just weren't able to because he had too much space and he made them completely miss. He was getting to the edge and turning it up the side. Plus. Even in some traffic of the sidelines, he was finding gaps and lunging forward for an extra few yards. There was one play in particular yesterday where it looked like it was going to be a two-yard loss, and all of a sudden it's a, it's a two-yard gain. He got something. Out, he got a little something out of what looked catastrophic. Yeah. That's he's slippery. He, yeah, that's that's when you get good players, and that's that's an individual matchup that you can point to and say if they're playing the Jets, some of this stuff doesn't happen. But if they're playing, you know, if if they are playing. A team like the Raiders, yeah, you can get away with that, and it'll be different when they play the Chiefs and the and the Bengals. So you and the Eagles, yeah, they're, all these games are their own animal, man. It's more important, and this is why you always hear it. It's more important about us being who we are. That's in your locker room, you know. Everybody, yeah. listen, just just play our game. Whatever those jokers do over there, we got an answer for it. Let's just be ready with it, and that's why you hear Sean McDermott. And the players and Josh and Brandon Bean say, let's just be us. Let's find out who we are, and then let's go and play our best. That's how you do it. So all this run after catch and all that is good, but it's you know that's not the be-all, end-all. They're, they're just trying to play. And it's as much about the Raiders in those respects to those things as it is the Bills. Break time for us here, but more of your phone calls when we return, along with this week's 
player of the game. We'll get to all of that when we return here on One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio on a Buffalo Victory Monday. This week's player of the game is presented by Wegmans Meals to Go. Wegmans Meals to Go, delicious meals delivered. Download their app today. It is James Cook. He, of the 159 total yards from scrimmage, 123 on the ground, 36 through the air, really kind of helped balance out Buffalo's attack on Sunday in the win over the Raiders. He was tough to corral for the Raiders' defense as his speed was a difference maker. So your player of the game for week two, James Cook, your current AFC leading rusher on the season. Very well, nice. Yeah. Let's get back to the phones, though, at 803-0550, Got open lines for you there as we are looking for your takeaways from Buffalo's convincing win over the Raiders. When we go back to the phones and leading us off in this segment is Mark in New Jersey. What do you got for us, Mark? Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. It's a much better week than it was last week. Um, Josh always talked that you guys even talk about 2019. He has that like implosion at home versus New England. Dable's losing his mind on the sideline, to and then he cites that game as a game that you know flipped him the way he needs to play and not play. And I think maybe possibly last week bookending it with this week could be the same. Like so given the the results of yesterday, just. Because there was even times you see it on the broadcast, like he was like kind of like, all right, I'll just dink it down here. Like he's looking downfield, looking downfield. There was one play in particular. He threw it to Murray on the right. But Murray ended up gaining like five, six yards. It was, I think just that accumulative effect of what happened yesterday could you know, maybe springboard into something more for him, a different evolution to his game. But it was very nice to see them be balanced, run, pass, and just lean more physically on their team instead of being so finesse and high-flying. I just wish Josh would have played more like Dak played against the, the Jets yesterday. Watching that game was very frustrating because that's all he did. He dinked and dunked them until they eventually wore down late and started getting stuff open up downfield. And then they ended up winning by a lopsided score. Then, of course, Zach Wilson becomes Zach Wilson again. <laughs> yeah, that, I think we all kind of anticipated that was coming, especially against that Dallas defense. Thanks for the call, Mark. I, I mean, I think the run game also – led to some more opportunities down the field later in the game too. They're, you know, they're, the chief priority for most defenses facing the Bills is we can't let Allen beat us over the top with big plays for easy scores. So they usually play top down defensively. So as we saw last year, they're going to give you stuff in the short areas and they're going to have a light box more right. often than they not do, to they... drop more people into coverage. So if you can run the football like the Bills did yesterday, you will force them to bring an extra defender in the box, and then you have a chance to attack in the pass game. It's two things about playing the Bills. One, you got to keep a lid on it. You can't let, you know, somebody get deep and let – because Josh can outthrow some people. Last, last night in the, in the Miami game, the Dolphins are looking slick offensively. They look really good, except that Tua can't throw it as deep as he needed to. He ended up getting a pick because he underthrew a player. He gave it everything he had. He couldn't get it out there. So Tyreek had to make a tackle. Josh, defenses know – if the guy's out there, Josh can hit him. So they keep a lid on it with the two high safeties. And then also, as we've talked about, they rush in their lanes. You never see these guys cross over or do any stunts interior because when they start doing stunts, you leave windows open where Josh can step through and take off running. 
Josh hasn't done very much of that this year, mostly because both these teams kind of do that, and most teams will do that. So they do that. Those are the two things they got to do. They keep Josh Allen in the pocket, threw a touchdown out of the pocket yesterday and had another big play out of the pocket yesterday. Um, He does big things out of the pocket, so you want to keep him in there. And two, keep a lid on it. Those are the two things defenses always try to do against Buffalo. And you notice I didn't say defend the run. Right. And when you look at it, going into this game, we talked about Max Crosby with Greg Cosell on Friday, and he said, yeah, he usually lines up in a wide nine, likes to come from the outside. He'll freelance a little bit just to get to the quarterback. He didn't do a whole lot of freelancing yesterday, and I think it's because of Allen's escapability. He had to play a more disciplined style yesterday, which I think, in essence, hurt his pass rush abilities a little bit because Spencer Brown had a better handle on where he was going to be every snap. You didn't have to worry about him going off the rails and just freelancing because the quarterback's too much of a threat, and he couldn't leave a lane open on his side. Right, and I think a little bit of that, because Ken Dorsey didn't want Crosby to wreck the game, he chipped him a bunch. Yes. Um, with receivers, tight ends, backs, everybody was taking a shot at Crosby as they ran around, and it helped. It helped a lot. Spencer Brown had a really nice game, a solid game. It wasn't like he was flawless, but he was getting some help, and that's what you do. Um, that's I, I think that kind of knowledge about that the Bills are seeing now, that people think about what their team is, it helps them going forward because then Ken Dorsey can say, okay, if they think this, then we're going to do this, and they can just um, you know call plays accordingly. I, as we get deeper into this season, it's really going to be interesting to see if any of this changes yeah. with defenses against the and, Bills. You know, it, I would assume that it does to some degree, but yesterday was all about efficiency and diversity. It was a diversified attack that everything they turned to worked. That's not going to be every week, but the fact that they have different things that they can utilize, whether by personnel grouping or by choice of run or pass, that makes them even harder to defend Think going it. forward, I believe. You're, look, you're watching film, you're a defensive coordinator, defensive staff for like Washington this next week, and you're watching them, and, and you see the Bills hang a 15-play drive on you know, the Raiders, and they hang an 11-play drive on the Raiders, and they hang another 11-play drive on the Raiders. They hang onto the ball for 40 minutes, and you're thinking, well, look, you know, if, if they do that against us, we got some problems. Yeah. So they're going to do stuff that, to try and get the Bills off the field. So they will start saying, listen, if we're going to get a pass rush home. We've got to get that guy on the ground. We've got to make him uncomfortable. Having not seen him very much, they may think, you know what, let's get after the guy. When, he, when they find out they get a free rusher and Josh outruns him out around the edge and gets a 19-yard gain and, and strolls out of bounds untouched, they're going to rethink that strategy, yeah. right? So that's you get the teams like in the NFC East. Now, Dayball and the Giants aren't going to do this for obvious reasons, but Ron Rivera might. Yeah, you know they might think. You know, and they've not, got some horses up front too. We're so. not going to we're not going to let them put together an eleven play drive. We're going to get them off the field. Be interesting to see what their strategy is coming off of this week for Buffalo's offense. Back to the phones and to Tom in Rochester. What do you got for us, Tom? Hey, guys, great, uh, great win, great, great turnaround. But I want to talk about that first possession. Oh, my God, I'm sitting in a bar here in Rochester, 
And, you know, oh, my God. They they run down the field in uh, just over two minutes, what, four or five plays, just make the Bills look totally hapless on defense. And uh, how do you come out that flat? You know, uh, I'm a baseball fan as well, and sometimes a pitcher – uh, just doesn't pitch well in the first inning, and then he settles down. But uh, how do you come out that flat uh, in a in a game, and then turn around, uh, you know, thirty eight to three after that possession? Well, I mean, they came out on the first play, and Ed Oliver blew it up. Um, so I don't know if I necessarily call them flat. If you want to call them a little over aggressive, I would listen to that because on second and long on the next play, they come screaming up the field and they get burned on a screen. So, you know, the adrenaline's pumping. It's the home opener. You're fired up. You want to basically rip people's faces off. And maybe you're a little overzealous. Yeah, and then, they got, then they got nicked by because they were over-pursuing. They were over-pursuing the quarterback, which left him vulnerable to the screen. They were over-pursuing the run game, which left him vulnerable to the end around on the next play. So it's like a 15-yard, a 15-yard. You know, all of a sudden, um, you know, that's how it looks. And that's maybe they were a little too hyped up. Uh, which I hadn't really thought about, but because it looked they looked flat, but the plays that they got nicked by were kind of over pursuit plays. You know what I mean? The screen pass and the end around. So, yeah, it could whatever it is. You know, the Oakland Raiders came out with a very nice plan, as you would imagine them to. That a lot of teams come out and. There's a couple of games yesterday that came out and started out like this one, although even more so. Uh, Arizona was up 20 to nothing on the Giants. You heard about that. The Giants came back and won that one. Mm -hmm. Denver was up double digits, big double digits on Washington, and they, they got beat by Washington coming back. This one drive by the Raiders looked like it was going to be that kind of game for Buffalo, and it, it turned out not to be. Well, they outscored them 31-3 to after they tied it at 7. Right. So there's a lot in that, how the game starts. Some teams come out, and coaching staffs are really good at scripting out those first dozen plays or so. And then after that is when it gets dicey for them. Uh, Buffalo has always, under McDermott, notoriously, I think, has always been really good at getting it under putting a lid on it after the first couple of series which is exactly the way this game went break time for us here when we come back more of your phone calls as we want your takeaways from buffalo's 38 10 win over the raiders we'll also have the numbers that matter coming your way next here on one bills live presented by collider health it's buffalo bills radio Numbers that matter, presented by the New York Lottery. Bills quarterback Josh Allen has five career games now with three passing touchdowns while completing at least 80% of his passes. It's the most before turning 30 years old in NFL history. He's got three more years to go, so he'll probably have more than five by the time he gets to his 30th birthday. And remember, when the Bills get a sack, you could get a sack of $5,000 cash. Enter the Sacks of Cash promotion Presented by the New York Lottery at buffalobills.com slash sacks of cash for your chance to be the fan of the game and win $5,000 for every Bills sack. Gambling problem? Call one eight seven seven eight hope ny or text HOPE-NY. Let's get back to the phones at 803-0550. Open line for you there, one 888 Looking for your takeaways from Buffalo's 38-10 win over the Raiders. And to Dick in Newfane we go. What's up, Dick? What do you got for us? Yeah, good afternoon, guys. 
Listen, my take yesterday was that Josh was under center more with our 12 personnel package. And I just think that makes us so much more unpredictable with play action fakes. You know, if it's so obvious to an old school guy like me, how come we can't be doing more of that? Or am I overreacting? I'll hang up and listen to you guys answer. Thanks. Yeah, all I can say is they're doing whatever they can in those moments to try and get a first down or move the football. And if he's under center, it's one thing. And then sometimes if it's – there's probably a line of demarcation on their play sheet. If they get into a second and six-plus, they want to go shotgun. If they get into a second and f- minus five or less, they'll get under center, that kind of thing. So there's probably a little bit of that, and because of the way – the passing game was working. They were under center more because they were either more successful on third, first down and second down and, you know, that kind of thing. So that might have had something to do with it. Uh, but I agree with you. We've Everybody's been here has been mentioning, you know, people like, you know, fans like us have been calling for, like, I like it, Josh, under center because it, it makes the offense fe- seem more steady anyway. You know what I mean? I don't know. What, call yeah. it what you want. But that, that may be a reason for it. Down in distance, whether he's under center or not. And obviously, it's, it has to do with the play called. So Yeah, and the other thing, that's, too. That's a big deal. The other thing, too, is you actually have a two tight end personnel grouping that's a bigger part of your offense. And that's, that's a right. traditional rundown as well where you want the quarterback under center. I mean, we even saw a couple of pitch plays yesterday with Josh under center and 12 personnel to James Cook to get the ball outside. So... Yeah, I'm, I'll give my broadcast partner, Eric Wood, a lot of credit. He's been asking for this since the second half of last season. Now, the Bills did do a, a relatively fair amount of play action in the first half of the season last year, but then got away from it in the second half of the season. And it may have been one of the contributing factors to why the offense did look like such a heavy lift in the second half of the season last year. It's encouraging to see them going to that more often very early here. They didn't do a ton of it in week one. They did considerably more of it in week two with much better returns. So we'll see if it continues. But I think just by virtue of the fact that you have a 12 personnel, two tight end grouping that through the first two weeks has gotten you some pretty consistent production, I think that caters to Josh being under center in that personnel grouping more just by virtue of using it. Let's go back to the phones and to Keith in Holland. What do you got for us, Keith? Uh, yeah, uh, what I'd like to say, first of all, uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Yeah. The uh, the uh, the only game I got DVR'd from the Bills and I kept on my television is the uh, <clears throat> New England game where we scored on almost every possession a couple of years ago. Right. I'd like to say that uh, this game was almost as perfect as that game. Everybody played individually. They played Wonderfully, both the offensive line, the defense, Josh, the receivers, and uh, and also I thought the scheme with the running that we did uh, was also a perfect a perfect play call. So I think it was one of the most complete games that I've ever seen the Bills play. And, of course, the execution was there as well. So uh, it was just an excellent game. It shows us what they're capable of, and I really enjoyed it. I'll let you guys comment. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, Keith. Appreciate the call. Yeah, I mean, all around, it was a pretty solid performance. I'm sure there 
dicing it up and trying to find corrections, but I don't yeah. know that they're going to find too many it's, from uh, yesterday's performance. And I appreciate your your comparison to the New England game, and I see what your point is. They yeah, they were efficient, and the, in the New England game, they scored on every every possession and all that. But this Raiders team is not New England Patriots in the playoffs two years ago. I yeah. mean, they're, they're just they're not, not that, a they're not that, they're not a playoff team. So yes, it's it was. A little like that, but it kind of rem- reminds you of that. But this Raider team is not the New England Patriots. So, um, yeah, it's a that's where your comparison falls apart. But it's but I see your point. The Bills did look like that. But that's what you should do against lesser opponents. You yeah, should you dominate them. them and win going away, and they did that. The yesterday. league is all about having a lot of close games with one possession. The Bills beat them by 28 points. 28 points. Yeah, it's not that's not good for them. There aren't a lot of layups on Buffalo's schedule this year. This might have been perceived as one, and it proved to be after well, the early going. But as yeah, we know, there, there could, are very few gimmies in the NFL. There and, could be a lot of layups, but you don't know it until after the season's completely over. Well, you look back and say, oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, those teams. Yeah. You can going project in, all you want. Going into it, you don't know what these teams are. I mean, who the Washington Commanders at 2-0, come on. You know, now they're some of these teams – a la the Philadelphia Eagles last year, get that fourth-place schedule, and they're good enough to flex on those teams, you know? They're, they look a lot better because they play that schedule. Maybe the Giants last year were a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's different, and, you know, some of that stuff comes to light, and, and you're, some teams struggle. They're, they're ske- but you can't really evaluate their schedule until it's all said and done. And then even then, you're like the Buffalo Bills. You're a contender and you're a heavyweight and you're swinging it out with the big boys and you look back and you lose to Jacksonville who went 3-13. and You know? Um, <laughs> We've seen it happen. Right. So there ain't no layups. Yeah. There are, there are not any layups. Yeah. This league's just too competitive. We have to take a break, but hour number two will be more of your phone calls. We're also going to hit you with the Toshiba game Rewind. When we come back here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. The 0-1 Buffalo Bills host the 1-0 Las Vegas Raiders. There is nothing quite like a home opener in Buffalo. It is definitely time for football here in Western New York. 
Now DeAndre Carter comes in motion left to right. Handoff fake, gets the ball off, and it's intercepted! Tipped by Greg Rousseau, intercepted by Terrell Bernard! Digs on the right side by himself. Handoff goes to Murray, right up the middle. Stopped at the goal line, but in for the touchdown! A second effort carry by Murray is good for a four-yard touchdown run. And the Bills are on the board. Allen under center, fakes the handoff, gonna roll to his left, wide open in the end zone for the touchdown! Dawson Knox! A two-yard touchdown reception for the tight end, who now has a receiving touchdown in each of his last four home games. Back to pass. Josh, under pressure, throws it in the middle, stretching for the end zone! Touchdown, Khalil Shakir! An 11-yard touchdown reception as he dragged two tacklers into the end zone. There's the snap, has time, gonna roll out to his right. Max Crosby in pursuit, back across the field, complete to Gabe Davis for the touchdown! Fourth and goal, and it's a two-yard touchdown reception by Gabe Davis in traffic. Mercy! Takes the handoff, play action, has all day to throw, and tries to check it down! It's intercepted by Matt Milano! He ripped it away from Josh Jacobs! The All-Pro strikes again for the second week in a row! Allen in the shotgun, takes the snap, give us to Harris, he slips, but still gets into the end zone untouched and rocks the baby for a one-yard touchdown run. As that will do it, Kyle Allen takes another knee, and the final 30 seconds on the clock will tick away as the Bills improve to one and one on the season with a convincing 38-10 victory over the Las Vegas Raiders. That is your Toshiba Game Rewind. Toshiba, the official copier company of the Buffalo Bills. And uh, yeah, after an early 7-7 tie, the Bills ran off and left the Raiders. Whew. Yeah, and it was, uh, it was just a slow, steady, just two cars one's moving really fast and the other one's just not keeping up and it just got further and further and how further do we get away. this thing out of second yeah, gear it couldn't they just couldn't get out <laughs> of second gear uh their offense couldn't get anything any continuity as you said they're only like one or two drives that lasted longer five plays mm -hmm. uh so they just couldn't get their get it going they're the reigning rushing uh rushing champ champ from last year, from last year minus two yards oh my gosh so the Raiders got to go back to the drawing board. It doesn't get easier for them. They got Pittsburgh at home this week. Pittsburgh at home. And, and you know, you wonder, because everybody will try anything. The Raiders stayed in West Virginia at the Greenbrier all week to yeah, get on the eastern, the eastern time zone. Uh, just, you know, try something different, get, get a different result coming back east. And you got to wonder if that had an effect on the players. Yeah, I <clears> – <throat> I just don't understand the logic behind it. If you had two straight games on the East Coast, uh, I could get behind that decision. You know, get yourself acclimated. They played in Denver on week one. Yeah, like it's Denver. a Denver. It's a hop of a flight to Las Vegas you from there. You can walk from Denver to Vegas. 
across I mean, the like, continental <laughs> divide. Right? I'm joking. You can't do it. You could, but uh, I mean, yeah. It would take you it's, a while. Yeah, it's, it's right there. Yeah. You, it's a hot. The plane doesn't even get out, get off the runway before it puts yeah. its landing gear back down to land. I mean, Vegas is right there. And you decide, not only do you decide you're going to spend the week on the East Coast to get adjusted to the time. You go from the West Coast you're to the East Coast. You're doing it. Yeah. In West Virginia, like that's the st- no offense to West Virginia, but not high on the list, I would think. In- Bro, go from Las Vegas to West Virginia. Yeah, tell me the difference. Yeah, it's vast. It's like you're on another planet. Right. <laughs> you think those guys had a really normal week there in West Virginia, coming yeah. from the Strip? Seriously. Yeah. That they've got a they've got a play they've got a joint out in Vegas. They got a spot. Yeah, they got a nice facility. I mean, they're all they're decked out in Vegas. And you go to the Greenbrier, which is a nice hotel resort, right? But practice facilities, training facilities, athletic training facilities, medical facilities. Think they bring their clubs? Yeah, he had. I mean, come on, right? I mean, that's got to be. You got to do something. There, yeah. You can't just walk around the lobby of the Greenbrier for t- a week. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I got it. And not to I'll mention, not to mention the expense of putting the team up for a week out there, meals. Yeah, that lodging. Ain't free. The Greenbriars and says yes. Wonder how Mark Davis felt about that week and the expenses incurred after dropping a twenty-eight point decision in the game at the end of the week. Yeah. Well, let's not do that again. <laughs> how about no? <laughs> how about no? <laughs> Right. That'll be his answer the next time Josh McDaniel uh, you know said, what? It you know what, uh, yeah. I think we're going to need to spend, how about no? <laughs> how about no? <laughs> oh, boy. Now, you know, <laughs> we can laugh about it here in Buffalo, but it's a real thing for the coaching player. They're like, you know, they're, you know, their wives and kids are like, we're, when are you coming back? Yeah. You're, why? They're gone for almost Why are you days. doing that? Because of the, well, honey, it's a, it's a three-hour time change. So? And? <laughs> So you, so you plan at ten in the morning. Get up, suck it up, and do it. Get up and have some coffee. Let's go. You don't have to. <laughs> you ain't, I ain't giving you a hall pass for a week. I'm hitting here with the kids. What are yeah, you doing? Yeah, yeah. Get. <laughs> yeah. That did not go well. Everybody's gonna be looking at McDaniel sideways coming in the building today. Oh my gosh. Let's uh, get back to the phones at eight zero three zero five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. The number to call and open lines for you there. We lead off this segment with Steve in Amherst. What do you got for us, Steve? I thought yesterday when I turned the game on, the first two possessions, I'm not a smart guy, and I knew what the Buffalo Bills were going to do. And then after that, they decided we're not going to play into their hands. We're going to have them off balance. And Josh can do what he does best when the defenses have no idea of what Josh is going to do. Then it affects the whole team. The defense plays better, and we just do what we do, and we just win. I'm going to hang up and wait for your comments. So, All right, Steve. I'll tell you what. I'm glad you said that, Steve. You knew what the bill was going to happen after the Raiders went on a five-play, 75-yard drive and chucked it into the end zone like it was nothing, and then the Bills come out and go three it out. I'm glad you knew because I had doubts. <laughs> I was not feeling it. You turned out to be right, and I hope I, – I don't know if you – you might be, you know, maybe jerking it, our chain. Maybe he is smarter than the average bear. 
I, I know there was a lot of people in that stadium, and I was one of them that weren't feeling it. I thought that was going to be a dog fight. There was a little bit of anxiety there after the touchdown drive by the Raiders to open the game. And then the three and out by the Bills? Right, punting away, and you're like, oh, what do we got here? Uh, yeah. That was not – I was not liking it. Yeah, there were a few boo-birds out after that possession because they had run twice, if I remember right, on that three and out, and people weren't exactly thrilled with that. But they made some adjustments on defense as well as offense, and after that, I mean, they looked like a track team. Yeah, it was good. Um, yeah. In terms of putting up points anyway. Right. Um, maybe not in terms of big plays, but literally on the scoreboard, they ran away from the Raiders. Back to the phones into Sam in Rochester. What do you got for us, Sam? Hi, guys. Uh, love the show. Watch every day. Thanks. Uh, I just wanted to comment on James Cook. Uh, you know, you could say what you want on his yards per carry and all that, but this guy is special. Literally on every run that, that he made, he never gave up. Uh, you know, you'd think he was tackled and he would scoot for another yard or two. A couple times he ran into a pile and he'd come out in front of the pile. I mean, it was just – he's just – I think he's special, and I think he's going to make a big impact this year. Yeah, he's as we said earlier, he's a pretty slippery back, Sam. I mean, even when people think they have him wrapped up, he kind of shakes free and gets an extra yard or two, which can be valuable. I mean, Steve mentioned it at the top of the show. There was one play. It looked like he was going to get dropped for a four-yard loss. He turned it into a two-yard gain. That yeah. six-yard difference to set up second and eight is gigantic. Um, any offensive coordinator will tell you that. Calling a play on second and eight is a lot easier than second and twelve. The only, the let's face it, the only difference between a great back and a not so great back, or a, a mediocre running back, or a back that's just another guy, is their ability to get yards that are not there, that you didn't know were there. That's the difference. Anybody can get the ball and hand off and run through a hole that's there that's well blocked, and you can get to the second level. But can they get extra yards? Can they get yards that? only they could get um that's the difference and that's what james cook did a, a lot of yesterday mm -hmm. um he got yards that didn't need that nobody would have known they were there unless he saw them and got them that's the difference between a really good back and just another guy a, a running back who's really really good surprises you with the yards he's able to to and that means a four yard run as well as a 60 yard run he gets yards that you didn't think were going to be there or shouldn't have been there. And Cook showed some of that yesterday, no question about it. And that's, you know, that's the measure of a great back when they surprise you with the amount of yards they can get. Yeah, helped keep the Bills on schedule in terms of down and distance for sure for most of the day. To Wayne in Orchard Park next. What do you got, Wayne? Hey, guys, uh, this is where Steve, um, my takeaway from the game yesterday, and I'd like to have your input on this, if you would, please. In all your playing time, as a collegiate and a pro, have you ever experienced a time of possession like the Bills had in the third quarter? And how does that affect the psyche of the other team when they can't even get on the field? I'll hang up and wait for your answer. Yeah, you, um, I got to tell you, um, I would imagine, yes, that there was a game when we did. I can't remember if, it, if the specific instance, no, except that maybe being on the wrong end of it which will tell you how, how, what it does to the other team. Yeah, your guys did, didn't always have time of possession because you scored so fast. Right. We didn't, that wasn't our thing. I mean, like, we were on the wrong end of it in Super Bowl twenty five. Um, yeah, that was almost 40-20 to 20 in that right. game. Right. And so, 
I can tell you that when you're on the wrong end of it, you remember that stuff because it's no fun. Yeah. So um, the Bills themselves, this team was on the wrong end of it, on the right end of it. Uh, last year in week three against Miami, they had the ball 40 minutes and 40 seconds, even more than they did yesterday. Yeah. The problem was they were two for five in the red zone. Right, and they couldn't get it in the end zone. And they lost the game by three. I made the point on Bills tonight that if you've got time of possession of 40 minutes, you know this, you're not losing by double digits. You're going to have a chance to win it if you can make that last score. Right. Uh, you can't score enough points when you only have the ball 20 minutes of the game. And the other team, I mean, they got to have, um, you know, they're going to have some positive stuff just to keep the ball like that. So um, that's where the Bills were yesterday. I mean, the Raiders could have done some stuff and, and made some plays, but if they couldn't get the ball back, they, they just ran out of time. And the Bills were so efficient, five of seven in the red zone, they finished those drives off and it, was, it turned into an ugly one. So, no, I don't remember ever being on the right side of it. I remember being on the wrong side of it, and that answers the second part of your question. What's it do to the other team? <laughs> it stinks. Yeah. Third quarter alone, the Bills had the ball for 12 minutes and 50 seconds. The Raiders had it, obviously, for the two remaining ten. two minutes and 10 seconds. And by the end of three quarters of play, the Bills had had the football for 30 minutes to the, to the Patriots, to the Raiders' 15 minutes. So it was pretty lopsided by halftime and only got more so when the Bills come out to start the second half and go on that nine-minute drive. 9 one And stick it in the end zone. 15 plays, five first downs. Yeah. It was, it that was, was a thing of beauty. And, you know, they go for it on fourth down, obviously, and it proves to be the backbreaker because that made it 28-10 at that point in time. And, I mean, you just look at the body language of the Raiders after that and it's like, okay, warm up the bus because this one's, this one's getting put to yeah, bed early. done so. To Judy in Buffalo next. What's up, Judy? First of all, Chris, I caught you on the radio yesterday while in transit. And let me say, I, I was very impressed. Oh, thank okay? you, Judy. I appreciate that. All right, next. Now, obviously, the defensive plan against the Bills is to pass rush, pass rush, pass rush. What does it take to develop a screen pass? It's not in Buffalo's um, um, purview. Because if I've seen two screen passes in the last six years, I, I think that's a lot. What is it that we're missing? I, I, I would think they have the personnel. Why don't they use it? Other teams use it very effectively. Yeah, it's a good question, Judy. We've been banging it around. I, my theory Steve had has, a good theory last my week. My theory has always been this. Uh, when teams play Buffalo, there's two things they do, and I said it earlier in the show. They keep a cover two lid on the defense. They keep two deep safeties. And they never do anything exotic in their pass rush, or very little exotic in their pass rush. All four down linemen, from wherever they're coming, come straight up the field. They come, they stay in their lanes. They don't X and cross. They don't try and pick each pick each, uh, offensive lineman off and try and X and stunt and all that. They just rush straight at Josh from four different spots and and collapse the pocket because they don't want Josh to run. They don't want him to bust out of the pocket. They don't want to come around the outside of their defensive tackle mate and have Josh run for 20 up the middle. So what, what that does to a defensive line is they're so aware of Josh busting loose and getting through, they rush with their antenna up, and they're very aware that a, a running back 
slips out to the side. They're very aware that a running back is in there kind of hanging, 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 and then slips away. They catch it two-tenths or three-tenths of a second quicker than they would normally, and that's all it takes. It's a, it's a split second. They're on it. It's hard to, uh, to run a classic screen pass against a defense that thinks your quarterback's going to take off and run anyway. So they're, they're rushing the passer like this with their eyes up and looking around. You can't fool them. And that's not even counting the defenses that deploy a spy on Josh Allen. Now you have a free defender out there covering no one who right. can go run at a screen play and blow it up if he wants to, if he recognizes it. Right. So you've got, they've got all these guys that are focused on your quarterback and, and in the backfield, and the Bills – run face a lot of zone as well because teams don't want to play man-to-man just for what I said all these guys are chasing the receivers around each guy's got a guy and they're all looking around pretty soon Josh is running up behind up their back behind him yeah because they They, all have their back they're not watching for him so they play a lot of zone so everybody's got their eyes in the backfield and especially linebackers who are going to drop into coverage well they're dropping into coverage going to pick up a tight end or a running back and they see those guys they're watching for him because they're responsible. All of a sudden, they're going, hey, he's doing a screen pass. So all of those things, because of Josh being the guy he is and so dangerous with his legs and so willing to run in his past, they're like going, listen, we're going to keep our eyes on that guy. And then when they're keeping their eyes on Josh, they're noticing all this other stuff that goes on. It's hard to execute an old-fashioned screen pass as the Buffalo Bills in the current point in history because of the quarterback they have. And the way defenses choose to play that offense, that kind of play is tough to execute because they see it too quick. Now, they did run a bubble screen yesterday to Diggs. Yeah, it's not. And they got some positive yardage there. So there are other kinds of screens they can utilize. They'll run those quick sideline screens where Josh will grab it, sling it to the sideline, and get a guy in space, Diggs in space, Gabe Davis in space, Hardy, whoever. They'll see those guys and, and do a quick screen like that, but that's more of a modern-day bubble screen. The old-fashioned screen where the defensive line busts through and they think, oh, we got him, I beat my guy, I'm going to sack the quarterback, and they drop it right behind his back, and the running back's waiting for it with the offensive line in front of him, and off they go. That's really hard to do against Josh Allen because of the way he's defended. Or that's hard to execute execute for the Buffalo Bills because of the way defenses see Josh. Yeah, That's my, that's my take. I kind of like that theory. Uh, let's go back to the phones, though, and to Ray and Clarence next. What do you got for us, Ray? Hi, guys. I may seem hypocritical uh, with my comments, but I, I get it. <laughs> um, this is the very type of game plan that I think our team needed, I think Josh needed, and I hope it gets them back on track. I think a couple games can, you know, I don't know, not knock any stress out of them or pressure, but I, I hate the way we came out. <laughs> I, I, you know, besides that one long game to um, Gabe Davis, the yards per pass were low. I, I hate the thought when we run, you know, first down and then we have a second and long and we run again. I mean, this, the pass is our strength. And I know um, uh, Cook had a great game looking back, but in the, I always look at things in the moment. And, and some of those decisions, I – I hate that play calling. And um, I know the result worked. It's about winning. I get it. But when it comes to those teams, you know, Miami, Kansas City, whoever we play, I, I want them to look comfortable. All this, like, dink and dunk. Like, like I said, I know we needed it. We needed to get back on track and we needed to win. But I hope this isn't going to be our, um, our mojo going forward. I, I want to see the Josh Allen and, and the, the guys 
that we've been looking at the last couple of years. And, and I'm grateful for the win. Glad we got there. But he just seemed handcuffed, and I get it. Uh, at least to start, and he, even throughout the game, he didn't he, seem like there was a good um, flow, or he felt free. The stats fell otherwise, I know, but but the eyeball test to me, it's like oh. We're not there. <laughs> but I don't know. What do you think? I know it's hypocritical. Well, I don't know if hypocritical is the word, oh, yeah. Ray. I mean, I appreciate, I appreciate the thoughts. I don't know if hypocritical is the word. I think you have to come to realize that maybe what has been successful and productive for the Bills is good enough to get you to a certain point offensively. But when you get to the playoffs and you're playing some of the best defenses in football, that's probably the way you're going to have to play. I mean, look at what Patrick Mahomes did last year. Tyreek Hill gone. Every defense he saw played top down, cover two shell. And what did he do? He adopted an efficient passing style where he utilized a lot of his receivers on short to intermediate routes. And when opportunities presented itself, he would take a shot. But if it was more than two or three a game, it was a lot. He rode it all the way to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow did the same thing. He got sacked almost 70 times two years ago. He said, enough of that crap. If I'm going to get through a season healthy, I got to adopt a quick-release approach in the passing game. And he and Zach Taylor huddled up. They devised that scheme and refined it where the ball is out of Joe Burrow's hands in two and a half seconds. He rode it all the way to the AFC title game. So you may not like it, Ray, but if the Bills can be that efficient, throwing short to intermediate passes most of the day, they're going to do it because they're going to win more games, even yeah. against good defenses. And they'll get better at doing it, and it'll look better, and it'll be more slick. Um, I, you're going to have to be patient with it because that's what teams are forcing the Bills to do. Um, in the NFL, <clears throat> I know it all sounds good, and fans would like to say, hey, we're going to run it whenever we want. We're going you know, to throw the ball down the field, and we're going to do all that. Well, if a defense, if an NFL defense lines up to take any of that away from you, you're an idiot to try and go out there. You're not playing in a vacuum. Those guys are really good right. over there. Even bad teams are good over there. If they want to take away the run, they will line up and force you to throw it or invite you to throw it. That's what the Bills did yesterday. So that's what you're, you're going to have to be patient with that. That's that's the league we're living in right now. And so I don't think – the Bills don't still have that under the hood where they can drop back and Josh can bounce around back there and throw it. The plays that are going to lead to that are the ones where Josh has been dinking and dunking and all of a sudden they get a guy, a free rusher, they send a, a, an extra guy, comes through, Josh breaks out, rolls to his right, and goes deep. That's what he did with Gabe Davis late in the game yesterday. That's what will happen for the big play. Um, it's tough to dial up a big play in the NFL in 2023. Because defenses won't are all about not giving up the deep ball. Yeah. It's a passing league. Defenses have been burned enough to know that's not going to happen to us again, or it's not. It happened to them, and ain't happening to us. And they they drop Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer deep. And, you ain't getting past them. And Ray, you can't have it both ways. And I'm not saying you were arguing this with your phone call, but it seemed like you were disappointed that the Bills didn't look like the Bills that get all the style points with big plays and long touchdowns, what would you rather have, style points or victories? I mean, I think I know what your answer is. Just because the Bills didn't look like they did last year or even in 2021 when Josh is chucking the ball down the field, you should still be happy because this style of play with that degree of efficiency 
can win a lot of games, even in the postseason. Yeah. So it's going to be very interesting to see how it all unfolds and materializes because it's only two games. But if they can show proficiency in winning this way, you can go all the way to the Super Bowl playing like that. You really can. Yeah. And, well, of course. And the Chiefs proved it last year. That's the idea. Um, It's just that's the way defenses play. You attack a defense where it's vulnerable. And in this day and age, that's where it's vulnerable. In the short and intermediate passing game, the quick release passing game, get it out, throw it through a tight window and have the guy catch it and either break a tackle and get a big gain or get tackled and it's now it's second and two or second and three. Don't forget 30 years ago, Bill Walsh won four Super Bowls doing that. It's it hard has to merit. defend. It has merit you and got it the, has historical significance in this if league. If you got the right guy pulling the trigger, it's hard to defend. It's hard to defend. We have to take a break here. More of your phone calls when we come back. We'll also take a trip around the locker room here on a Buffalo Football Monday on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. Welcome back to One Bills Live here on this Buffalo Football Monday, 38 to 10, Buffalo over Las Vegas. And taking your phone calls at 803-0550, for your takeaways on the convincing victory. And we lead off this segment with Chris in Rochester. What do you got for us, Chris? Hey, how you guys doing today? Great. So I am a first-time caller. But I've been a huge fan of you guys and Steve since you played football. Had your jersey, still do. Awesome. Um, what I everybody keeps saying the same thing, but what I got out of the game completely was, as far as the running back goes, when he was running, when he hit that line or ran into somebody, his feet didn't stop. He kept on going to get that extra yardage. The defense, when they tackled somebody, more than one guy was there. They weren't like standing around watching, so. In collaboration of all of it, they all seem to work as a team more than I've seen them in the last few games. And nobody was, like, selfish at all. So I'll hang up and uh, listen to what you guys got to say. Yeah, that, that's the complimentary football that Sean McDermott talks about. He wants one phase kind of supporting and catering to the other. So when the defense gets you three takeaways, that's three additional possessions for your offense. That's complimentary football. When your special teams – fields a short kickoff and they take it out to the 43 yard line that's giving your offense a short field that's complimentary football so even when even when the offense fails on fourth and goal from the one to get it into the end zone they don't turn the ball over for an interception return and what does that mean that means the Raiders got to come out on a drive start at their own one yard line that helps your defense long field to defend so the complimentary uh, catering from one phase of the game to the other is what Sean McDermott and his coaching staff talk about all the time because if you can successfully do that, you're helping all three phases of your football team by making it easier for all of them, and that usually results in success in some way, shape, or form. And eventually, if you keep doing that from start to finish in a football game, you should come out on top conceivably. Yeah, and um... – you're right. It was a total team effort. I mean, I think it says a lot about Buffalo, a lot about the th- the ways that they are clicking, at least in this game. 
And uh, uh, not for nothing, I think it says something about the Raiders too. Uh, they're, they're in the middle of a rebuild. And, you know, they were struggling. They've got Josh Jacobs. They've got Devontae Adams. But Jimmy G is not giving them anything extra. He's a good distributor, and he throws the ball well, makes good decisions, but he's not special. Um, so they got two guys, a receiver and a running back, pretty good offensive line, got a good pass rusher, and they're okay in the secondary. So I think it says as much about the Raiders as it does about the Bills, and the Bills' ability to handle them the way they did. Now, from this end of the game, in retrospect, it's kind of the way the game should have gone. Yeah. Let's get back to the phones and to John in Clarence. What do you got for us, John? Hi, guys. Um, I joined late, so I, I apologize if we're rehashing old stuff, but I just have a couple of quick, quick comments, and I'll hang up. Yeah. The first is I, I love James Cook. I really, really like him. I think he's starting to come into his own, and I think it was a confidence thing. And I really think now he's starting to build up that confidence to know that he can really make a difference. So I love that part of the run game. Here's the part that I don't really care for, or maybe I'm not good enough, talented enough to, to, to understand it, and that is their fourth and short or third and short uh, run, or maybe even the, it's the play selection part of it um they they go out and they get damian harris they get latavius murray they get a couple of linemen who are you know studs and and are better run blockers they know they had to work on that in the offseason and then during the game i see them balk at a fourth and one you know to go pass instead of just jamming it up the middle i just don't understand some sometimes the play calling on these short, you know, third and one or fourth and one place. I just don't get it. Two things. So, anyway, I'll, I'll hang up and, and listen to what you have to All say. Right. Two, things, two things, John. They were really successful in the red zone. They were five of seven. They were good on third and fourth and short, third and short. They had a good percentage of – they did miss a couple. He's obviously and talking about the fourth and the goal, fourth and goal, goal at the one. The one. And – you can say what you want. If if it ne- if a fourth and short and you don't convert it doesn't work, you should have done something else. That's first of all, that's obvious and that's the way it always is. Secondly, the fourth and short, one of those fourth and shorts got to fourth and shorts because they did exactly what you said. Yeah, they wow. ran it three times and they got stuffed twice. So they're not going to do that again. That's it's that simple. Um, Players understand this. When you're out there and the coach is going to say, and your coach is going to say, all right, guys, we're first and goal on the six or whatever, we're going to run this mm-hmm. and we're going to get it in. Well, you run it once and you get now it's second and five instead of second and go, you know, then it's third and four or third and three even or two. It's like, okay, well, that ain't enough. What are you going to do now? Yeah. Uh, you, that's the problem. It, the plays preceding the play that fails on fourth down have a lot to do with the play call on fourth down. And you can, you can do what you want. You say, well, you should have thrown it on first down and then run it on second down or thrown it on first and second yeah. and then run it on fourth. Yeah, okay. Now that that didn't work, <laughs> yeah, let's do something else. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, that's That's where you're at always with the play call. I, I have a, I've said it before on the show. I have a really hard time 
climbing into the head, either, even if you're just going to be something general, like you should have run it there instead of thrown it, or you should have thrown it there instead of run it. I'm done with that. Yeah. You can't. That's crazy talk. Because you can say that on any play, right. even a touchdown play. You said they, you know, they would have scored two if they had run it, all that. It's crazy to talk, crazy talk to do that. You, you took the words out of my mouth because I was going to say I wouldn't be surprised if Ken Dorsey was impacted by what had happened on the previous three plays in the decision he made for the fourth and goal. You remember the fourth and goal from the game because it didn't work. Do you remember what they ran three plays before? Right. They ran, ran it ran, right ran. up the middle three times and got three yards. So, yeah, you could argue, well, do it again and get the last yard. But I think the lack of success on the three previous runs impacted the play call on fourth and goal from the one. You are right. Cook has been impressive. I don't know if it's a confidence thing as much as it is an opportunity thing. Uh, James, Cook is, James Cook is not short on confidence. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah, it could be both. It could be both. You know, I mean, you feel a little better about when you're the guy and they're, and they're proving that you're the guy by giving you all these chances, and, and he responds to it, no question about it. He, we've been talking about him all day. The guy had a great game yesterday. He was a, a force in the offense. Bill's running game was look, looked good. He looked good in the run and the pass, which has been something we've been looking forward to mm-hmm. since they drafted him. His ability to play three downs and do both, uh, we saw it yesterday, and and it's it's gratifying for everybody, and probably particularly him. To Bill in Toronto next, what do you got, Bill? Hi guys, nice uh, nice Monday, relaxing a little bit after oh, that yeah. win, which was expected, but of course we executed well, and and it was nice to see actually Josh didn't. Uh, he didn't have any sugar high face on yesterday, which was really, really good. He looked he looked like he was having a great time, even on his his leap over his ex teammate there. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, I just want to kind of elaborate on 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 the the Cook situation there. I think you know he's he's one one man away from uh, you know a seventy five yard breaker because this I think he's a star in the making. To be honest with you, I know he was a high pick and everything, but I really see you know a lot of those don't pan out as we know. Um, but I think his speed is explosive, and he's got unbelievable moves, uh, maybe more than his brother even, if that's, if that's something. And I think I don't think we've had a, a speed like that in the backfield since probably McCoy, and, uh, and so that's, that's wonderful to see because that, that opens things up a lot better for us. And just another quick thing I want to talk about is Kincaid. I was really impressed with him yesterday uh, when he came across the end zone there and the pass was out of his reach and he wasn't expecting the hit to come across. I mean, he was vulnerable at that point. You're always expecting to get hit, but you know, you know what I mean? And he got absolutely rocked and he went down and I thought, Oh my God, here we go. And I just was waiting. And of course he went to the sidelines and went on his haunches for a little bit. And and, then, then was kind of just, you know, regaining himself and everything else. But he came right back out and was just, you know, did everything he was supposed to do without even missing a beat. And I thought that's an intangible in some ways to be able to take his first big league hit, if you will, and and bounce back right from it and show his toughness that way rather than just his hands. Yeah, that was the only catch he did not make of the six targets that he had. And it was because it was in traffic and he took a monster shot in the process because he has got to be one of the more sure-handed rookies I've been around in their rookie season. It was a good it was a good pass defensed. Um, so, you know, give the Raiders credit on that when the guy got his hand in there, plus yep. the hit came right right away as well. So, yeah, and he did show some toughness. He got up, shook it off, and came right back in the game, and that was good to see because, uh, you know, 
whether you know it or not, he looks like he run. You figure like, oh, he must he must be okay. To listen, he's feeling it today. Oh yeah. So, yeah, it does take some toughness to go back out there, um, which he did, and and he is. I still think uh, is still growing in his ability to contribute. I still think he's developing, and I think he's going to be really good, even better during this season. So uh, let's uh, let's hope he stays healthy, gets all these opportunities, because his efficiency is awesome right now. That's the only pass he's dropped. That one we were just talking mm-hmm. about. Um, that's a great spot to be in, and with and Knox has played well as as too. Mm-hmm. So this twelve personnel package looks to be something really effective in the making. Yeah, they're, something they're going to be able to hang their hat on all season long. Break time for us here when we come back. More of your phone calls. And we've got Eric Wood coming up in the third hour, so stay tuned for him as well. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collida Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Back here on One Bills Live on a Buffalo Victory Monday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And right back to the phones we go where we have people holding. And to Josh in Holland next. What do you got for us, Josh? Hey, guys. Uh, first off, just a big fan of you both. Uh, Chris, that call with Milano was electric. <laughs> and, uh, nice. Interception. And, Steve, I actually um, I used to play against your teams when you coached for East Aurora. I played for the Holland Raiders. You and go. you were nice enough to autograph something for me in the middle of the game. So I always appreciate that. <laughs> That's outstanding. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and so I just want to say, like, I'm 24. And I went my whole life – oh, not my whole life. But I went my entire childhood with bad Bills teams. And just we get to watch Josh Allen every week now. And the fact that – he was able to reinvent himself in one week to go from this gunslinger that's costing the team games to this hyper-accurate, taking what they give you, throw to the open guys. Just, it's just crazy. And I just want to talk about just how lucky we are as Bills fans to have Josh Allen. And there was so much discourse about him through the week. And there, I saw, like, I mean, stay off Twitter, or X as it's called, because it's such a toxic place, but... So many people were just down on him, and I just like I consider every game I watch like a blessing after what I had, what I sat through growing up. And so I just want to leave it like how impressive just the reinvention was. Yeah, and I, I, hang up with I get it, yeah, Josh. There's a lot of scar tissue there for all of us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's good call. Um, he did kind of reinvent himself in six days a little bit there, well, Steve. A little bit, re- not reinvent, but certainly he he got back to what he's good at and, and calmed down and, and played the kind of football we know he can play. We've seen him play like this at times before. Yeah, his four previous games like this, over 80%, three touchdowns. Right. He's, yeah, he's had a couple of games. like He's done it more than anybody else before they're age 30, and he's got three more years. I think Josh from Holland is, is right. It, does, it is kind of amazing that when Josh takes a deep breath, calms down, he, he's kind of this unbeatable guy. And it's and I can see it too for Josh. It's hard because the harder he plays, the worse it gets. Almost, you know what I mean. Um, the more he tries to make this stuff happen, the more it eludes him, and the wor- and the worse it goes. Right. So when he relaxes, watches the game from wherever mind's eye he has from the pocket, and just plays and does what he does, you know this team wins by literally wins by four touchdowns. 
So, yeah, I, that's kind of the mental quandary that Josh finds himself in. He's got he's almost got to play like it's like it doesn't matter. He's, it's boring, you know. Um, and then, of course, once in a while when he busts out of the pocket, he, you know, he still puts that cape on. But um, that's you're right. It's not just that the Bills team was in a drought and you, we always suffered through these quarterbacks who never changed. You know, they were always the same guy week after week. And it's just, oh, God, just take me now, Lord, right? So, <laughs> Serenity now! Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it, so it is a nice place to be when you've got a guy that's self-aware enough to know, like, I can't do that anymore. And change. And to correct, self-correct. Right. Um, this, is a, this is a fun team to watch maybe, every week. Maybe we shouldn't be as impressed with the change in approach by Josh in the span of six days because he's so gifted and talented, he can play any way you need him to when you think yeah. about it. He really is, is capable of that and more. Let's go back to the phones and to Ismail in Florida. What do you got, Is? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Um, Steve, uh, I'm kind of in the different direction that the gentleman previous was on. I'm 50, so I actually got the pleasure of watching you play and the joy of watching the Bills of that era. Um, and though it didn't result in the Super Bowl, I mean, I just don't think I could have asked for anything more at that time and now looking for that Super Bowl. So I had a couple of questions, um, both quick. One was the lack of creativity on Dorsey's part on run plays. Uh, just watching a lot of these um, offensive coordinators really putting a lot of motion in place to create space, causing confusion. It seems like the running play calling that's done on our side seems very vanilla, just kind of up the gut or something to the sides, no creativity with screens or anything to that nature. So looking to see what your opinion is on kind of adding that repertoire to this Bill's talented team. And then um, how do we slow down the game for Josh? Because it seems like when he slows down, it seems when he's at his best. Yeah, valid questions. Uh, I'm going to take the first one here, Steve. With regard to creativity in the run game, you didn't need it yesterday. And it's a long season, and you averaged 5.2 when you carried it yesterday. Your lead back averaged 7.2 a carry. There was no need to be creative because the basic stuff was working. So leave that in your back pocket for a week when you really do need it. Maybe you're – I mean, this Raiders defense, not fast. And the Bills didn't have much trouble outflanking them, particularly with James Cook outside. Misdirection wasn't necessary. The Bills' back was faster than any linebacker or maybe even any safety they had on the field. So fooling them with misdirection wasn't required. Now, you play a fast-flowing defense like the Cowboys or the Eagles later in the season, yeah, you may have to dip into your bag of tricks. So don't put it on film now. Save it for that week. What you had yesterday was basic, but it was working. So keep doing that and save that other stuff for when you really need it. Yeah, and your and your question about having how to slow the game down for Josh. 
I get what you mean there because when Josh seems calm and relaxed, the game's, you know, he just seems easy for him. It's not about getting the game slower for Josh. It's about getting Josh slowed down for the game. I think Josh gets in a mental headspace where he feels like if it doesn't go well early, he starts to press pretty quickly and try to make some big things happen to get back on track. And in reality, if he just plays it slow, like the three and out to begin the game yesterday, he did not panic and came back out and continued with the game plan. And I think maybe the fact that he didn't go out and let's, let's, let's wheel this thing out. Let's go. Let's see what they got. If they've got the lid on this, let's go. Instead of coming out, running the ball twice, then trying to throw it, didn't go well, so let's take him off the field. And then have him come out going, hey, we got to pick it up. They, they score. You know what I mean? Um, keeping him calm in those situations keeps Josh slowed down mentally, and that's really what we're talking about. It has less to do with the coaching staff and the game slowing down. It, ha it has to do with Josh's mentality and keeping him focused on the game plan even when it doesn't go well in the beginning, like, like yesterday's first series. You got to calm down and you got to stay disciplined and patient with what's going on. You come over and one big thing is there's two things. One is preparation. Um, he needs to know exactly what's going on and why the game plan is the way it is, when they want to run each and every play and what they're looking for in each and every play, why the certain play is called in this in this situation. It's not just calling a play and letting him run it. It's knowing the reasoning behind the play call that gives him the ability to think a step ahead of the defense. That's really important at this level. It's not just getting a young kid to go out there and know who to hand the ball off to. You don't know why, you're hand, why you called that play, what the defense is doing, and why you're thinking that that play will work, and why in this situation. All that stuff goes into it, and that slows it down for Josh. And so all of that stuff goes into the mix – but preparation is huge for that. And that's what, that's what you do Monday through Saturday. And that's when games are won and lost. Now, during game. That's where you got to show poise. When, yes. When he comes off, here's how you help him. If he comes off, you need answers. You need answers. When he comes off and says, what are we doing out there? We had three and out against a defense that can't, you know, they're slow. And we, we, had, we got a plan. Why, what's wrong with a plan? You got to have concrete, specific answers Say, listen, that last play was there, but because of the pressure on the right side, you couldn't get back to it. Gabe was running wide open over here, or this guy was running there. We should da da da. You got to have solid answers for him in game to say this is why it didn't work that time, or this is what we're going to do next. That's the that's the critical part. So have him prepared, and on game day, have your staff have specific answers to why it is or isn't working, and what you're going to do next if it is working. Break time here. Eric Wood next on One Bills Live. Stay tuned.